Turn please to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 to 10. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now, the title of the message this morning is Set Your Mind on Things Above. Set Your Mind on Things Above. I like that little verse of Scripture. It's one that often comes to mind, and I believe that we're going to be encouraged through this message today. Uh, You know, I just think back to my dad hearing of his father that Grandpa Rabid, Reuben Rabid was his name, many times Grandpa, he would faithfully go to church, but at times he would drag his feet to church because sometimes it would be like getting a beating every Sunday in that old Baptist church in East London. It's amazing how people would go back like suckers, for another beating, another beating, another beating. But I believe that God brings good news. And when Jesus stood up and said that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me, because it was good news. It was good news to the poor, good news to the brokenhearted. And so I believe that God's Word should encourage us and should move us forward. Now, Colossians 3 verse 1. Let's read these ten verses together. It says... If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And here's our foundational text for this morning. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. By the way, fornication is living together, having sexual relations, although you may not be married. I want to remind you, this is not pleasing to God. Fornication is sin. If you keep on coming week after week after week to church here and you're living together, you've got to sort it out. It's not pleasing to God. Now it goes on, it says, verse 6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you also once walked when you lived in them. But now you must put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created, uh, of him who created him. Now, the scripture verse is, it's basically focusing on the fact that, listen, you came out of a way of life which was not honoring to God. Then you found salvation in Jesus Christ, and you are a new person. And together with being a new person, you also need to think differently. You need to think in accordance with the fact that you are renewed. 
You mustn't think the way you used to think in your BC days, in your before Christ days. You need to think according to what God has done for you, who He's made you to be, how that you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, how that, behold, all things have become new. You must think in accordance with, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. This is how you need to begin to think. This is how you need to direct your thoughts. And so, while our spirits get saved totally and completely immediately, we are working out our salvation in terms of we are becoming more and more like Jesus. We are becoming more and more sanctified. And we need to set our minds on things above. Now, four points that we want to look at this morning. Number one, choosing where to position your mind. Number one, choosing where to position your mind. Now, this verse says, set your mind on things above. Some people believe that this means that we must be preoccupied and obsessed with heaven. When they read that verse, that's what they understand it to mean. That you must be preoccupied and obsessed with heaven. I wonder if that is true. While it is important that we need to be mindful of heaven, while it is important that we need to uh, be aware and anticipate the return of Jesus Christ, I don't believe that God calls us to be obsessed with heaven. You may have heard the line which says that you're so, heaven, uh, you're so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. I believe we shouldn't actually be obsessed with heaven. But I believe that our lives should be consumed with the Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody agree with me? Who happens to be seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven? So it's not so much heaven which is our obsession, but it is the fact that Jesus, the altogether lovely one, is there. And our focus should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. He should be the affection of our hearts. He should be the obsession of our hearts. Now, this verse is referring to, set your mind on things above, it's referring to the importance of directing your mind towards what is good and what is right and what is pleasing to God. In other words, it's saying, think on those things which are lofty. All right, I'm using this word particularly uh, for a purpose. It means thinking on what is lofty. In other words, what is high what is noble, what is elevated, and what is honorable. The opposite would be allowing yourself to have base thoughts. Those are thoughts which are corrupt, thoughts which are negative, thoughts which are harmful, thoughts which are pessimistic thoughts. Now, the Bible says, set your mind on things above. I mentioned just recently a little example of this, and I used to have this feeling in my heart that if I am to obey the scripture of setting my mind on things which are above, I have to perpetually be imagining God on his throne in heaven with the angelic creatures and the elders and all of this. 
Some of you might have also thought the same thing when it says, set your mind on things above. Well, you think, well, what do I do? Does that mean I have to imagine God on His throne all the time? And while it is beautiful at times to picture the Lord in that way, I love to sometimes do that during worship and imagine what is going, around, going on around the throne of God. But I don't believe that when this scripture says, set your mind on things above, that it means that you have to constantly hold that picture of heaven and of the throne of God in your heart. Now, I want to illustrate this. Imagine, imagine there is a horizontal line, and let's say it's about the height of this pulpit. So here's a horizontal line. Now, thinking above, set your mind on things which are above, I would, be, I would believe is some of the following. It would be setting your mind on things which are true. Setting your minds on things that are accurate. Setting your minds on things which are life-giving. Things that bring hope. Because this is the way God is. He says, I have certain thoughts. They're for your welfare, for your hope, for your future. This is how God thinks. He thinks above this horizontal line. This is where we should be directing our thoughts. Now, the thoughts which are below this horizontal line are thoughts of negativity. Thoughts which are not in agreement with God. Thoughts which are corrupt. For instance, seeing yourself as a failure. Seeing yourself as God doesn't accept me. No matter what I do to try to please God, He doesn't accept me. I'm not worthy, even because of the blood of Jesus. I, I don't even believe that stuff, really. And you begin to occupy your mind with base thoughts, with thoughts which are, are wrong. They're not truth. They're not in agreement with the character and the person of God. But the reality is, we spend a lot of our time below this horizontal line. I think if you're honest with me in your own heart, you may just agree that you think a lot below the line, so to speak. But I want to encourage you that setting your mind on things above means thinking above this horizontal line. It means setting your mind where it needs to be, on thoughts that are life-giving, thoughts that produce the person that God has called you to be, thoughts that release your destiny. And you know what? It's a lot more fun to think above this line. <laughs> Does anybody agree with me? It's a lot more joy-giving. It's a lot more fulfilling. But yet somehow we tend to want to focus on what is below the line, the depressing things, the stressful things. And, but God says, set your mind on things above. Notice the word set. I like the way it puts it in the Amplified Bible, Colossians 3 verse 2. It says, set your mind and keep them set, set your minds, and keep them set on what is above. What does it mean to set? It means to plant, to become solid, to fix or to establish. It's like maybe you've had your kids making some jelly. I know my boys lately, they've taken to making jelly. And so you mix the jelly, it's boiling water and jelly, and you just mix it. That's it. Quite easy. I can even make it. And uh, so... But what happens is it's fluid. Then you put it in the fridge for a period of time and it begins to set and it becomes stiff. It becomes stuck in a way. That's what God wants you to do. He wants your mind to become stuck in the right direction. 
It must be like a record playing the right thing all the time, stuck on what is above. It does matter what we think about, and we are responsible for our thoughts. We have the ability to direct our thoughts to what is good and right. So, set your mind. Number two, seeing an accurate picture of yourself. It says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, it says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Have you heard of the scripture before? Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But you know, some people need to think more highly of themselves. Because the way they think of themselves is awfully suppressing to who God has made them to be. And while I know this means you mustn't become puffed up and proud and full of yourself, but I believe that if we were to look at people across this congregation, there would be very few people here that are really puffed up and proud, but there would be a lot more people that see themselves in a low estimation. They see themselves as not good enough, not worthy enough, and you actually have to think more highly of yourself. You've got to stop being hard on yourself. Sometimes you're such a tyrant. Sometimes you're the, the prophet of your own life in the worst possible way, speaking negative things over your life. And I believe that God is saying to some people here today, you, think, you need to think of yourself at a higher level. You need to think of yourself as a son and daughter of God, as a child of the Most High God. You need to begin to raise the way you think of yourself. Stop beating yourself up and begin to think of yourself in the right direction. Think of yourself in the right way. I want to tell you, some people's thinking is at the level of groveling. Now, maybe I'm not using the word in the best way, but groveling means you, you, you're fiddling around here in the dirt. And when Jesus saw that man who was with leprosy, he was a guy in, in dirt and, and bondage and so on, and immediately Jesus wanted to restore the image that was in him because he is made in his image. Jesus immediately cleansed the man, and he, the man began to take off his garments, and he was healed, he was restored. But he had been thinking below this line. And many times that's how you and I are. We're sort of groveling uh, around below this line. We like that leper. But the moment Jesus is allowed to infiltrate your zone, to come into your private space, he will immediately speak into your potential. He will immediately cleanse your mind and cleanse your heart and restore you and bring you to the place you are meant to be. You're not meant to live below this line. You mean to live above it. God doesn't, a groveling doesn't please God. It's not a form of humility. Listen to what Colossians 2.18 says. I'll read it to you. It says, Let no one cheat you of your reward by you taking delight in false humility. Sometimes there is false humility. We think that, no, to have this kind of a view of myself that is suppressed kind of thing, is pleasing to God, because maybe that's meekness. You know what? That's not the way it should be. God wants you to think of yourself accurately. He doesn't want there to be false humility. And I, through my life, I've, I've known people at different times that have a low estimate of themselves. They're generally looking for acceptance in other people all the time. 
they believe in the worst about themselves, they're often ending in a sad picture. Many times walking a little bit stooped. and Oftentimes those people get taken advantage of because they don't see how beautiful they are. They don't see how valuable they are, how God has made them to be. Perhaps Jabez was one of these people. He was born into life branded with this thing of pain. That's even what his name meant. He came into life at a disadvantage. Perhaps he was below the line, so to speak. But he cried out to God. And he, something happened inside of him where he got a determination in his heart. And some of us here today need to get a determination in our hearts that we, even although we might have come into life formally disadvantaged, God wants you to be subsequently advantaged, if I can put it that way. And you need to begin to make a sort of, con- sort of confession that Jabez made. He said, God, I don't want to have the self-image anymore. I don't want to have this reputation. But, oh God, would you bless me real good? And what does the Bible say? God granted him his request. Maybe that's exactly the case with Jabez. Maybe that is something that you can relate to. But the fact is, God turned it around. You are made in God's image. And whatever is made in His image needs to think rightly and accurately. Listen to what Colossians 3.10 says. We read it just now. It says, Put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created him. Put on that new self-image. A self-image which is an image connected to the image of God. Set your mind on things above. Develop and visualize a healthy and positive self-image. Thirdly, calling your God-given potential into existence. Please turn with me to Romans 4, please. Romans chapter 4, and make sure the person next to you turns there as well. Right? Otherwise, give them a nudge, please. Romans 4, verse 17 and 18. Now, this is a little piece speaking about Abraham and what God had spoken over his life and so on. Romans 4 verse 17, it says, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, even God, who gives life to the dead, and look here, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I like that. That's our God. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And then it carries on in verse 18, speaking about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of Uh, of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Just those two verses. But look at what it says. It says, calls those things, I've underlined this, which do not exist as though they did. The more well-known wording is found in the King James Version, which says that he calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, what happened here? God made a declaration over Abraham's life. 
He said, you will be the father of many nations. And it says there that Abraham believed and he became the father of many nations. You see, God has spoken wonderful things over your life. He has given promises over your life. But it takes you coming into agreement in your confession of your mouth and believing in your heart. When you confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart, in accordance with who God has made you to be, then your potential is realized. Then the promises come into being over your life. Then God fulfills the promises that He's made over you. Now, some people feel that when they call positive things over their lives, when they declare positive things over their lives, they feel that they are being fake and artificial. Some people think, well, if I say, well, I've got a great memory, and people enjoy spending time with me, sometimes people feel, well, I'm being fake. I'm being artificial. No, no, no. You've been an imitator of God that calls those things that perhaps are not as though they are. And so I want to encourage you and say you have the right and you have uh, the entitlement to call those things which are in line with what God has made you to be. You can call those things into being and you can begin to declare them. And you can begin to say, thank you, Lord, that I'm a tremendous person at sales. People just want to buy things from me when I get onto the showroom floor and begin to sell those cars or when I get on the phone and begin to market to people. People just buy from me. You can begin to call those things that are not as though they exist right now. And I believe that this is a little bit of a key that we need to begin to grab a hold of. Don't think that when you're saying this that you're faking it. No. I believe that when you're doing that, you're stirring your potential and you're calling things into existence. I also believe that we must just explain the difference here between secular positive thinking and biblical positive thinking. Secular positive thinking, by the way, there's lots of it going around. Many, many books. The Secret is one of them. Secular approach involves self-promotion, soul power, mental manipulation, and humanism. But the biblical approach is entirely different. It involves humility. It involves acknowledging God, believing what He says about you, and it involves trust. It's totally different. It's not to be mixed up with some of this popular stuff that gets branded around and gets featured on Oprah and things like that. Now, I want to do a little exercise with you here. I want you to think back to a moment when you were doing well and when you were at your best. Can you picture a moment like that? Think back to a moment. When you were doing well, that you were on top of things when you were at your best. Maybe it was an evening that you spent with your spouse and you had a lovely dinner together and you were connecting in a wonderful way and you actually felt closer to her or to your husband than ever before. Or maybe another example is a successful day at the office when things just fell into place wonderfully and you cracked it. You did so well and you went home from work whistling and you didn't let the traffic bother you. Imagine a moment like that. Imagine maybe another moment where you entertained some friends and 
You had a terrific time. You were laughing. You were full of joy. You had a great time. Now I want to tell you, those moments are you. Those moments are you at your potential. Those moments are the real picture of you. And sometimes we don't want to have pictures like that in our mind. We would rather take the groveling pictures. And we would rather say, oh, it was probably just a happy evening and it's not going to happen again too soon. Or sometimes we want to grovel and say, well, it was maybe just luck that those clients phoned me and placed those orders. You know what? I believe you must begin to declare, no, that's the real me. That's, it's a case of, wow, that's me. Wow, that's who God's made me to be. Think back on those occasions and realize that's you. That's you operating at your full potential. That's the glimpses of who you really are. Call forth the potential in you. Declare that those high points in your life are the real you, and in so doing, you set in your mind on things above. Lastly, number four, which is a brief point to end off with. Realizing that you are God's masterpiece. Can you say that word with me? Masterpiece. Wouldn't you just look at the person next to you and just point to them and say, you are God's masterpiece. Do you see yourself as a, as a child of God? Because I want you to remind yourself that you are. You are an original masterpiece. In fact, do you know that the Bible uses this word of you? It says in the New Living Translation, Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. Other translations say we are God's workmanship. But I want to tell you, when the master does work, when the master creates something, it is masterfully done. We are his workmanship. But the New Living Translation says it best. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do things, good things, that he planned for us long ago. Why not come into agreement with your Creator? If he says, you're my workmanship, if he says, you're my masterpiece, come into agreement and begin to see a picture of yourself that is not below this line. Begin to see a picture of yourself that is thinking above. Begin to see a picture of yourself which is based on Psalm 139, which says, I will praise you, O God, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So stop with those negative confessions, sir, ma'am. Stop with those things where you belittle yourself because you should not belittle what God has created. I heard somebody during the week, they were saying, Ah, oh, my back is killing me. <laughs> now we know that this, this lady's back wasn't literally jumping up, but, you know, killing her. But what a dumb thing to say. And we need to begin to watch the confessions of our mouths and begin to believe what is above Begin to declare what is above. Begin to set our minds on things above. And I want to end off by giving you some homework, which is based on 1 John 3 verse 1, which says that we are immensely privileged to be called children of God. Now this is your homework for the week. To make this declaration, you might want to write it down. Thank you, Lord, that I am a child of the Most High God. And when you confess that, 
I want you to keep in mind the scripture of you are God's masterpiece. You are His workmanship. And He's created you to be His son and His daughter. So that's a bit of homework for you to do on a daily basis over these next seven days. Holy Spirit, please remind us. Thank you, Lord. What's it? That I am a child of the Most High God. Let's say that together. Thank you, Lord, that I am a child of the Most High God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, your word is clear. You say, set your mind on things above. I thank you that with your help and your grace, we can do this. And also, Lord, we declare that we're going to begin to call those things that be not as though they were. We're going to begin to see ourselves operating in our full potential and declaring, that's the real me. That's who you've made me to be. And Lord Jesus, I pray that we would see ourselves in a way that is pleasing to you, that is honorable to you. And we say, thank you, Lord, that I am a child of the Most High God. Now I speak a blessing of the Lord over you. Would you just receive this? Based on Numbers 6, I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His smile upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you, everyone.